You don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. someone you know has a child with autism in their family, answers and support can be hard to come by. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio with host Dr. Bill Freya. We will offer practical information for parents of children of all ages, as well as explore treatment topics and recent research related to autism. Now, here is Dr. Bill Freya. And welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Freya. I'm a clinical psychologist and co-founder of Autism Spectrum Therapies. We're a national agency providing resources and services to individuals of all ages who are living with autism spectrum disorders, as well as other developmental issues. Thank you so much for joining me for another hour of autism-related topics. My goal for this show is to inform the families we serve by giving information on issues such as autism treatments, issues and options in education, and examples of advocacy and family support, especially on today's show. Hopefully, we can be a good resource for parents and professionals seeking more information about helping children with autism. It has been great getting your feedback and suggestions. Please keep them coming. You can always just email me at moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Let me know what you'd like to hear more about. I appreciate having the opportunity to share information with you, and we explore some very important topics, obviously, on Autism Spectrum Radio. I always enjoy the wonderful opportunity to discuss autism issues with a new guest each week. We spent some time talking with professionals about evidence-based autism treatments, such as applied behavior analysis, ABA, and we discussed special education programs, special ed law, and inclusion issues, behavior supports, as well as school bullying, which was a very popular show. And this show has covered a lot of ground. We've certainly been blessed with some incredible guests, and we will today with Joe Ashline as well. Uh, if you've missed any of our shows, you can listen to them all at your leisure. You just go to autismtherapies.com, and you'll find a radio page there. You'll see all of our previous shows, and you'll get a peek at the schedule for upcoming weeks. We'll see which topics and guests we'll have coming on. For example, next week we'll be speaking with Dr. Phil Strain, who is a world-renowned uh, researcher and professional in preschool programs. He's done amazing work, longitudinal studies, and I don't think anybody's published more research or found out more about preschool programs than him. So you'll want to tune into that. Uh, when you're on our website, hopefully uh, you'll dig around and discover some of the other resources we have there. We have some great tip sheets that you can print off and hand to people who need information on certain topics. Uh, we have a blog that we'd love you to explore and become involved with. And there's also a schedule for our insurance workshops in different regions. So if you have questions about how to get services covered by insurance, attend one of those workshops, or you can always just give us a call, 866-278-1520. On this week's show, we're going to continue on the topic of advocacy and parent issues. Last week, we spoke to Matthew Asner about his journey as a parent of a child with autism and also as a brother. Uh, we also spoke 
about his role at Autism Speaks and the importance of advocacy and building a strong community of support around you. And that's really at the core of what today's show is about, finding that community, building support, and staying strong. You know, finding your place in the autism community is really so important. There are so many opportunities to meet others or connect with others who are experiencing similar struggles and learning about resources and supports to make things better for themselves and for, for your children. No one can get much accomplished in isolation. And that's really, I think, the bottom line. It's not productive. It's not healthy. It's not the best for you or your child. And most people know this, but sometimes you just can't get out of the funk. You know, the, the depression and grieving can take hold. Unnecessary guilt, unexpected sadness, that ever-present exhaustion can grab you and become a barrier to reaching out and joining a community, a community that wants to be there for you and with you. And when you sink lower, it's so much more important that you reach out, get out, and try to connect with others who know what you're going through. Now, the Internet is making it easier to connect with supportive people and groups with information that can be helpful in understanding options for you and your child. Opportunities to connect with others who are experiencing the same thing you are can be easily overlooked. And Matt, Matthew Asner mentioned that last week. Uh, he mentioned how, for him, the autism walk in Los Angeles really changed his life. You know, after his son was diagnosed, he felt that heavy gloom that many parents experience. He couldn't get out of it for a long time. And just witnessing tens of thousands of people that shared his experience, that gave him power and hope. It was an amazing transformation for him that he described. In, in spending time at events such as the walk or a major conference, or even just a support group meeting, can change your path, or at least how you're feeling when you're leaving that experience and feeling more empowered and supported. You know, getting focus is important. Getting information that's useful, that's icing on the cake. But really getting focus and support when you need it is important. Uh, but while events and meetings are critical opportunities to connect, you know, the Internet is there every day. The Internet is always there. And, for example, blogging is one form of support that's becoming more and more popular. Our guest today, Joe Ashline, has a lot of experience with social media and how it can be a source of support and catharsis. And it's also a powerful tool for advocacy and spreading the word on initiatives that you really feel passionate about, that are important to you. You know, I'll give an example. A recent blog post by Joe on the mom blog at OC Mom struck a powerful chord for me. You know, her, her message in this particular post was that it's critical for us to make sure our typically developing children get connected to children with special needs and how it's really not okay for kids to be able to avoid students with disabilities and never have any relationship. And to be put in a position of seeing them as those special ed strangers, you know, for some kids, these aliens, these different, you know, these different kids that don't fit in. You know, she, she defined in this post five critical areas of importance, specifically understanding, acceptance, compassion, perspective, and responsibility. And it was powerful, a well-articulated argument for how it's, it's critical that students know their peers with special needs and, you know, be friends with them and understand disability from an early age because, you can't be compassionate towards people you've never met. And how can they be responsible for creating a future for these special needs peers without having the perspective of what they're struggling with? That's an example of a powerful post that I'm sure meant a lot to her, was cathartic to her, and meant a lot to other people in terms of empowering them and understanding that people feel the same way you do. You know, Joe is known for writing about issues that affect many families with children with special needs and driving to solution-oriented uh, discussion of these issues. And that's the empowering and motivating experience many parents are looking for. I want to give you a quote from the article I just mentioned uh, regarding compassion. Joe wrote, Helping a friend get their wheelchair up a ramp or get a book off the top shelf, learning sign language in order to communicate with a deaf buddy, is slowing down to meet the purposeful gait of someone who's struggling to otherwise keep up. 
you know, these are all amazing opportunities for your child to experience compassion for another person. And that's a trait that will come in handy when he or she takes the reins from you and forges a new path in life filled with fairness for all. That's well written. It's such an important point. And I look forward to speaking with Joe today about her experiences as a parent, as well as her column and blog. But, you know, I just want to point out how it's a great example of reaching out and speaking out for others. Our, our blog at AST is gradually building a community that will hopefully learn um, hopefully learn a lot from each other and continue to provide a web of connected parents and professionals sharing what's working and what's not working. We discussed last week how issues such as getting services paid for your insurance company is one area that parents really can immediately learn from each other and make life a bit easier. You know, major issues like that are obvious needs for all families. And we're conducting workshops to share what we have to offer families at AST for support in getting insurance to cover services, but that's a small contribution compared to what thousands of families are experiencing, experiencing it and able to share it you know, every day and building that community of information and support. Now, connecting with their families online, in person, whatever works for you is important. Ad- advocacy is born in those interactions. And it grows like a weed when it's fed with each other's enthusiasm. You know, today's guest appears to have a knack for getting the issues out and her opinions passionately presented and the conversation flowing. You know, there's a lot to be said for really not accepting being ignored. And the best thing I see when I read Joe's column is the fact that she's saying, in a number of different ways, she's saying, we're all feeling these pressures, right? That this is normal. It's okay. And yes, some of it can get pretty messed up, but that's okay. There's there's wisdom in, in asking others to accept what has to be dealt with and start dealing with it, and ideally with the support of a community that has more in common than not. Um, so, but before we uh, take our break and bring Joe Ashland on, I want to give you a heads up on an important topic that we'll be discussing a little bit today and more in the future. Uh, one topic that Joe has written about in her column is the success she's had with technology, uh, specifically her son's iPad, and I've. I'm hearing more and more parents discussing new technology breakthroughs with their children. And I truly think that there's a, this wave of new software websites coming our way, and we all need to keep sharing uh, what, what we're discovering, what's working for our kids. If there was ever a premier advocacy topic or effort uh, to, su- to support, it's getting iPads in our classrooms and for every child with autism. You know, I read an article last week uh, on Fox News that detailed a public school in New York that got funding for iPads in their special education programs and had um, their teachers teaching kids with autism to use programs such as Proloquo to Go and Sonoflex. And it was great to hear uh, the word getting out on how successful these programs are, how excited the teachers and the kids were. It was an uh, interesting article. The teachers were excited to see how well the kids were taking to the technology and using it and how the kids were progressing got a sense that it really motivated the school and the teachers to, to step up to a new level. The principal was quoted as saying how the iPads had a cool factor, unlike the other bulky speech output devices or foreign devices to other kids, uh, which were stigmatizing. Uh, these kids were walking around with iPads, which was more normalizing, and how she was uh, excited to see that. You know, my kid's school is experiencing similar success, and I'm starting to see and hear parents uh, raising their expectations of how schools use technology to support children uh, with special needs. Uh, The article uh, in Fox News also mentioned autism apps, uh, which is itself an app on iTunes, autism apps. It's simply kind of a list of apps that are being used with individuals with autism. And for each app, it uh, provides a description, uh, links to more information. Uh, You can post reviews on how the apps are working. Um, You can search for different categories and even view uh, video 
demonstrations. It's pretty fascinating. Autism apps, if you haven't checked it out. And we at Autism Spectrum Therapies are using technology more and more, and we're finding that families are becoming more specific in the applications they want to use. And this is wonderful. I mean, there is this new excitement and motivation when a new technology is introduced. And the children can become fascinated and more motivated to work harder. Uh, uh, parents and therapists also, they regain hope and more determination uh, when uh, new successes are introduced. You know, I've asked our guest today to give some examples of how she's incorporating technology into her son's program. And she has some great examples she'll be sharing, as well as some words of caution uh, that she's come across. So I'm happy she's sharing that with us today. Um, so again, today's guest is Joe Ashland. She's a parent and an outspoken advocate, and she shares her opinions and passions in the Orange County Register. If you're from Orange County, you're probably very familiar with Joe. Uh, she also has her website, joeashline.com. I should probably spell that, J-O-A-S-H-L-I-N-E.com. And uh, she shares uh, her passion in the OC Register, and luckily today she'll be sharing her passion and thoughts with us here on Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have que- any questions, you can always post it on our Facebook page, Autism Therapies, or you can always just email me at moreinfo at autismtherapies.com with questions you might have for Joe or your own experiences that we can include. So I look forward to hearing from you. When we come back, we'll be talking with Joe Ashline. So please stay tuned. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Need to replace aging IT infrastructure? Want a way to scale IT resources on demand? looking for affordable disaster recovery alternatives, then maybe the cloud is for you. If you aren't sure where or how to start, CenterBeam can help. Over the past decade, we've moved hundreds of clients to the cloud and for a limited time are offering a 25% discount on a cloud readiness assessment. It includes detailed recommendations for your transition to the cloud and is yours to keep. Call 877-710-8880 or visit centerbeam.com forward slash voice America. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. At AST, we are committed to supporting families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, creating futures for individuals with autism. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Everyone deserves a life filled with happiness, confidence, and achievements. Code Metro, developers of NPA Works business management software, is proud to partner with Autism Spectrum Therapies and its efforts in creating futures for individuals with autism. To fulfill our duties, we promise a special needs product that helps organizations operate efficiently, providing them with a business system that evolves as rapidly as they do. The results? A streamlined practice to help maintain quality services. Discover how we help businesses succeed at NPAWorks.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Free, and today we're speaking with Joe Ashline. Joe is a popular columnist and blogger. Uh, she's a mom of two boys, Andrew, who is nine, who has autism, epilepsy, and cystic fibrosis, and Ian, who is seven and who she describes as the greatest little older brother in the world. Uh, Joe is passionate about writing, especially about her experiences raising her special needs son, and is dedicated to promoting compassion, providing resources, and creating a supportive community through her special needs column, which is called This Modified Life. And uh, if you Google This Modified Life, you'll find it pretty easily. She also writes a humorous advice column, Just Ask Joe, and both columns uh, are in the Orange County Register, the OC Register, where she also writes for the mom blog at OC Moms. Uh, Joe loves to see the lighter side of life and often uses her personal site, joeashline.com, to poke fun at various topics. So I'm looking forward to today. Uh, hello, Joe. How are you doing? Hi, Bill. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great having you here. Um, I'd love just to dive in and, and tell us about your experience in getting your experience of getting past Andrew's diagnosis and into the life of this advocate calmness that you have today. And it's a great life. Um, certainly it was a, uh, a journey. You know, I look at the entire process of special needs parenting as a journey, not a destination, and that certainly helps. Um, and, of course, initially when we found out Andrew had autism, it was very difficult. And um, like most parents who can relate to the idea of wanting a healthy child, um, Andrew, by all accounts, appeared healthy at birth and, you know, physically was doing great, had... had um, great eye contact, and it was a very cheerful baby, um, but we, we definitely felt like something was wrong as he began to miss milestones, and I think by the time we actually got an official diagnosis of autism, my husband and I were pretty confident that we knew that that's what was going on, but I think having, you know, a doctor um, officially write it in his medical records sort of, I had to go through this process of falling apart, um, as I like to refer to it, so uh, it took me a long time um, to come to a place where I was able to not just deal with Andrew's autism, but to fully accept the diagnosis. And part of that I always tell a lot of families is that you have to allow yourself the opportunity to grieve the child that you expected to have in order to be able to accept the circumstances surrounding the child that you're blessed with. And that really helped me put to rest a lot of these expectations I had for Andrew, and it made way for me to be able to dream uh, new dreams for him and new opportunities rather than constantly focusing on all the things that he wouldn't and couldn't do. And I think that when I finally let go of this old uh, version of who Andrew was supposed to be before he uh, was diagnosed with autism, it really paved the way for me to be able to be more fully present for him as his mom. And that's really one of the messages that I try and um, bring to other families who are dealing with this diagnosis because it is, again, a journey. And so there are issues that come up all the time in our lives where I think to myself, if only he could, if only he would. But um, I've, I've now, I'm now well-versed in the art of acceptance. And so I allow myself to sort of feel that momentary sense of loss or pain, um, resentment, anger, whatever the case may be, 
I, you know, I fully acknowledge it, and then I'm able to move forward, and that is to the benefit of my child. Right. And so it sounds like you went through this evolution, and obviously you probably didn't do that alone. You, you reference having a great support group around you. you know, what, what was the process of, of getting those supports in place or, or reaching out? Where, where were you in, when, in, in the process when that happened? Well, we, I, I'm, I'm very blessed. I, do, I have what I call my village. I've, I've heard other families ref, reference you know, their particular support system the same way. It truly it takes a village to raise really any child, um, but particularly a special needs child. And our village consists of, obviously, you know, my husband, Andrew's brother, my, his aunt, his grandparents, his um, friends, teachers, his therapist that's in our home every day, his doctors. And so you, you, you realize the more people you have in this village, the better off your child is. And every villager, so to speak, has their specific role. And, and it allows for, for us to sort of hand over the reins once in a while to the experts when we feel like we're at a loss. So I look at all of our support. You know, Andrew's got an entourage, whether it's at school or in the home, in the community, wherever he goes, he's a lucky young man that he has all of these amazing professionals and friends that are there to support him and in turn support us as a family. So obviously the first support system in place after the family was our doctor, who was the one that initially um, came to us with the diagnosis after assessments, you know, moved us towards the regional center. And once we had regional center in place, we were able to secure services for Andrew at the time with um, in-home ABA therapy and then came the school district as he aged. And, and then in between all of that were other families, and I think that is the most important source of support um, in the way that you don't have to reinvent the wheel when you speak to someone that's been through it before you. Um, and so we were able to get a lot of information, um, resources, learned about uh, our rights and advocacy and, and how to advocate for our child and um, through other families. That was really our primary source. And so now I try and obviously return the favor. Um, and certainly there's a lot of information out there for us as autism families, and there's, um, you know, IEPs and diets and, and therapies, and what works for one family may not work for another. But I think the, the thing to remember when it comes to all of this information is that it's there for our choosing, and we need to pick what's right for our particular child and turn to other families to gauge what they've done. But at the end of the day, you make the decision that's the best for your kid. Right. And I can't stress enough that uh, most families, vast majority of parents, want to talk to other parents. Uh, they they want to be um, asked the questions. They want to be used as a support uh, to other families. They experience, I think, what you do. And some parents with newly who are newly diagnosed uh, aren't, aren't aware of that. They're very hesitant, and I really encourage people to reach out because uh, the community is strong and people do want to support each other. I wanted to um, I wanted to ask you about Andrew's relationship with his younger brother you mentioned, Ian. Uh, tell me about the sibling relationship. So they're about 18 months apart in age, and, you know, obviously developmentally, <laughs> uh, they're, they're much further apart developmentally, but their relationship is... It benefits the both of them. We've seen an enormous amount of compassion and patience and respect um, in our younger son, Ian. And while I, I do believe that he's that way by nature, I think that 
that his his nature has been um, underscored by this experience with having a special needs brother, and and so it creates the opportunity for um, Ian to be compassionate towards other special needs uh, individuals in the world, and he doesn't see individuals with diagnoses and a variety of them, not just autism, as people who are necessarily or de- deficient in our society or unworthy of our respect. To them, to him, it's just another human being because he lives with um, someone with special needs day in and day out. And certainly for Ian, there's been challenges along the way. But I think, you know, my husband and I, we made a, com- we made a commitment to Ian since, he, you know, once Andrew was diagnosed to always be honest with him and to allow him the platform of venting to us when things get out of hand or when things feel like they're becoming too burdensome so that he knows that he can approach us and complain or vent, whatever it needs, whatever needs to happen for him without judgment. Um, and that gives him a, a place of comfort. It allows him to explore his own fears. You know, he's, he's seen Andrew in and out of hospitals, and, um, and his, he's witnessed his brother's seizure, so certainly there's an aspect there of fear as well. And knowing that he can come and ask us these questions and, and have a, a source of support without judgment really has, I think, strengthened his bond with his brother, strengthened his bond with us. And then we see his compassion generalized in society when he's out in public and he comes across somebody with special needs or someone without special needs who may need additional help with something. Um, so it's been amazing. And certainly Andrew benefits because he's got a built-in peer model, you know. Um, so And he looks up to Ian. Ian's a little bit taller than Andrew and he wants to emulate him in a lot of ways, and so um, Ian's also aware of that, and it creates this sort of mentorship between them, you know, where Ian realizes he's Andrew's mentor. It's a beautiful thing to witness, actually. Wow, and it, looks, it sounds to me like uh, you and your husband spent a lot of time, did a lot of work to make sure that that relationship could, could blossom, that he feels supported, he can talk to you, and he's not um, trying to figure out what's happening with his brother day to day he's he's part of it and and he's able to be a support i'm sure that means a lot to him you know in thinking about uh andrew's future which i know you do a lot what do you think will make the biggest difference for him in his future you know in terms of not just what you're doing but uh education society what are the what are the themes that you think about when you think about andrew's future you know the first and foremost for me actually um are is acceptance by society, you know, my husband and I—we're um, not going to be around forever, and certainly we want to know that when we leave this earth, we leave Andrew in the hands of a society that doesn't just treat him well, but values Andrew and other um, adults and children with a variety of special needs. It's not just about giving them uh, a place to live and maybe a job opportunity here or there, depending on. Um, their ability to function in a workplace. It's, it's about valuing them as human beings, and that's really the first thing I worry about, and that begins with our children and this generation of kids who will be adults with Andrew. Those will be the adults that are making decisions on his behalf, who will be voting um, on issues that will, uh, down the road, affect him potentially. And so my first uh, and primary source of, of advocacy is really to help try and change this fear of special needs children and adults in order to build 
a, a, a foundation for our children, our youth, um, and, and help the adults that are already, you know, in, aged out of the school district and sort of left to their own devices. And, of course, obviously programs continue to support. Um, I think when I look at Andrew, I have, you know, I let him pace my dreams. I can't, I can't possibly um, place my expectations on him, but I, I see a lot of potential for um for a number of things that he could be capable of doing if just given the opportunity, again, by society. So I think no matter how much we, we talk about education and therapy and what's going to happen down the road, it really boils down to how the public views our special needs community, you know, as, as valued citizens that deserve respect and these opportunities like education, like jobs, relationships, support systems, um, and that's really what I think about day-to-day when it comes to Andrew and down the road and as he gets older. Well, that's uh, really well said. I appreciate that. Uh, we're going to pick up there when we get back. Let's take a quick break, and we're talking with Joe Ashland. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. At Autism Training Solutions, we know what it's like to work with children with autism. And we know what professional development can do for a school, a child, and a family. That is why we want to give 50 schools in the U.S. access to ATS professional development for a whole year. All you need to do is tell us how ATS would make a difference for your team in a one-minute video or a 500-word essay. For a complete set of rules, visit AutismTrainingSolutions.com backslash contest. Shepard Mullen Richter in Hampton is a proud supporter of autism spectrum therapies. Shepard Mullen is a full-service law firm with more than 570 attorneys in 14 offices located in the United States, Europe, and Asia. Companies turn to Shepard Mullen to handle corporate and technology matters, high-stakes litigation, and complex financial transactions. For more information, please visit shepardmullen.com. BDO is dedicated to service, from serving our clients to serving the communities in which we live and work. Through BDO Counts, our national corporate volunteer program, employees across the country volunteer their time, talent, and resources for the good of local communities. And now, BDO is proud to support Autism Spectrum Therapies. We believe in doing our best to make the world a little better. That's why people who know community involvement no BDO. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's more info at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Free, and we're continuing our conversation with uh, Joe Ashline. You know, Joe, I know you've explored a lot of avenues to help your son, and I'm really interested in the use of technology and how you've used the internet, website, software, the iPad. I'd love to hear what you found and uh, also just some examples of how you're using it. Sure, sure. Um, well, we first noticed Andrew's fascination with 
any sort of technological device with my iPhone, and this was about a year and a half ago. Um, he started looking through photos I had taken and some videos that I had taken of them, and he was really engaged and, and enjoyed, and he was great at manipulating the phone and getting in and out of different apps I had on there, and it would hold his interest. He seemed just to genuinely enjoy it, but also he was great at it. And, you know, of course, the iPhone, the screen is very small. Um, and so we started doing a little bit of research and seeing whether other children with autism um, had shown any interest, and sure enough, there was plenty out there at that point. Um, we were just sort of late to the party, I guess. But um, the iPad became sort of the next step for us. And once Andrew got his iPad, it was a game changer. I always tell people, I said, the iPad's been a game changer. Um, First of all, much easier to manipulate than an iPhone or an iTouch. You know, eventually as he gets older, if he, if he prefers it down the road and he's, his fine motor skills allow for it and he gets better at it, that's, we'll address it then. But right now the iPad is the most functional and user-friendly for Andrew. And um, one of the first programs we purchased is an app called Proloco to Go. I'm sure that a lot of your listeners are familiar with it. Um, it's a little bit pricey, but for us particularly, personally, it was well worth the investment. Um, and it's essentially, if you haven't heard of it, it's like pecs online, essentially, pecs at your fingertips. Um, so he's, you know, that was the program he used with AST were pecs. So he was very familiar with pecs, and he had it in the classroom. So this was sort of just um, going to the next level with his pecs program. And he has thousands of picture icons at his disposal, at his fingertip, all categorized, you know, food, community, I want, I need, um, and we're able to, within the program, personalize it so I can take a picture of, say, my husband, create a pet card immediately with his name, and the program has a voice output function. Um, Andrew is nonverbal. He does have some uh, verbal approximations, but unless you've got a trained ear in Andrew speak, it's really hard to understand him. So for the purposes of communicating with the outside world, with his peers, with his teachers, with you know, someone at a restaurant, um, a program with voice output just completely opened up his world. So Andrew for the last year has been learning how to create, you know, sentences, asking for things like, I want a drink. And instead of using his uh, previous technique of the Velcro, Velcro strips and the, um, the little icons, you know, the laminated cards, he can do this now with just a touch of a finger and within half a second, you know, request something. And just seeing his face light up when he, when he finds what he's looking for and hits the buttons and then sees that the person he's communicating with understands him. Um, and I think also having that voice output function makes it so much more realistic for Andrew. Um, the other thing that the protocol has done is it's, it's it's really encouraged him to learn uh, new vocabulary words. You know, sometimes he'll spend some time just quietly in his room thumbing through photos and, and hitting the buttons and learning new words, whether it's animals, uh, food groups, transportation. So we're wow. seeing, um, you know, his not just his expressive language, but his comprehensive language open up in that he's learning more and more vocabulary words. So that's been amazing. Um, and there's definitely a lot of apps that we've purchased for him between, you know, then and now. He's had the iPad for almost a year. And um, not all the apps that we buy have to be specific to autism. You know, believe it or not, and I heard you in the introduction 
mention um, autism apps, and there's some really great lists of apps that are specifically designed and targeted to our kiddos. But there's a lot of um, wonderful apps out there that that are that would be considered appropriate for any child um, that Andrew's really tuned into. And we've seen a huge growth in his academic ability. Um, you know, the traditional methods of worksheets and things like that, they just they don't work for Andrew. He is he needs visual and auditory cues to learn, and the iPad provides that for him. And it's also uh, instant gratification. You know, when he does something great, a voice will come on and say, good job, or um, the screen will flash, and he responds to that. And, um, and so it motivates him to keep going. So we've actually seen our nonverbal child begin to sight read. Um, wow. he, he's sight reading, which is something, I mean, I get goosebumps just hearing myself say it out loud. And, you know, he's pointing now, one of his favorite authors is Dr. Seuss. And uh, what, there's an app developer called Ocean House Media, and they do all of the Dr. Seuss books. And so um, Andrew can listen at will to these books on his iPad. And he just one day came up to me and started, you know, pointing to different words, and he, he wanted to learn to read. And so together with the app and, and myself, that's what we're doing. And so it's just literally opened up his world. It's been incredible to watch. Wow, that's amazing. And you know, we're talking about uh, a nine-year-old boy who is building on his communication more so than ever. And, uh, and, and that's, that's a great story that, that families need to hear, that you know, at eight, nine, there's uh, still a lot of room to start you know, building on communication skills. And, and technology opens up doors that you don't expect. Sight reading was not something you expected right away. I think that's great. And for our listeners um, who are, are trying to visualize this, just, just to clarify, you're not talking about him, you know, going and just sitting in front of the iPad screen on his own and, and playing with it all day. You're talking about real communication. Absolutely, yeah. It's and you know, I do have a, a warning to parents. Obviously, with any device uh, such as an iPad, there is that potential to um, have it become a source of frustration rather than a source of joy for families. And we witnessed that firsthand with Andrew. Um, because one of the we, we made a rookie mistake. We let him have YouTube uh, on his iPad, and um, you know he loves looking through the videos. Of course, his favorite movie is Cars. You know the tractor tipping scenes from Cars. Um, yeah. And he would be he, if I let him, he would sit all day and watch the tractor tipping uh, scene from Cars. He was able to access it. He didn't need to wait for me to to rewind it on the TV or to ask for. I mean, he just had it right at his fingertips. And we really learned the hard way that that with YouTube, what we were seeing was he was actually retreating back into sort of his own universe rather than using the iPad as a, as a tool for opening himself up socially and developmentally. And, you know, we tried different methods. We tried to use it as a reinforcer, and we tried to um, hide the app. You know, if there's a function on the iPad where you can actually hide the app. And finally, my husband said, I think we have to rip off the Band-Aid. I think we just need to get rid of it, um, deal with it. And actually, AST uh, and, and our therapist, um, Kristen McMurray, they were pivotal in helping us get through it because, as you know, um, anytime you try and, and extinguish a, a behavior, typically it gets worse before it gets better. And that was the case with the YouTube, of course. Um, but it's been about eight weeks now, and it's a it's it's the best thing we could have done was to, to get rid of the YouTube. For our son particularly, it just, 
it created a, a sort of um, a technological monster, so to speak. You know, he just would obsessively want to use YouTube rather than any of his other um, more valuable apps. Now, he was asking for it appropriately. You know, he was using his proloquo and using his sentences, and I want YouTube, I want YouTube, I want YouTube. <laughs> that was all he was using it to communicate. So, <laughs> right. on the one hand, you know, he was asking for it appropriately, but it just became too, too much, and it was taking away from what we wanted to see happen for him. Um, and ever since we removed YouTube, we've seen a dramatic change, and he's back to really enjoying the educational app, the books that he's got, the di- digital books, um, using the proloquo. You know, he goes he goes everywhere with the iPad. That is his device um, to access language. He knows that. And, you know, he's still at a point now where we're in a phase where he needs our help. We need to help him build the words. But he he knows that that iPad is his gateway to um, language, language and learning. And it's something that we uh, never imagined would be possible for our son at this level, you know. He's surpassing goals that um, he was having trouble meeting with traditional methods of, of teaching him, something like spelling his name or um, learning the alphabet. And thanks to a lot of apps that we've tried that have worked, you know, some 99 cents, some free, it, it just clicks for him. Um, and it provides him this opportunity for growth and learning. It's amazing. Yeah, it, it is so amazing. And I'll just um, say that regarding YouTube or the other distractions, where, you know, with typically developing kids, it's it's kind of the same story, not to diminish the importance with you. But, I mean, that's that's a problem for kids in general with uh, with the technology. My, my kids especially, if they have access to 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 YouTube, not much homework, not much anything else is going to get done. It's it's very addictive for all of us, Absolutely. and it's great that you nipped it in the bud. I'm sure the AST team appreciates your shout out to them <laughs> as well. <laughs> yes, they are amazing, and they and they really helped us get through it because it was difficult. It was difficult for Andrew, and it was hard for us to take something away that he loved so much. Um, and he's still able to watch the videos he enjoys, but now they're they're back to being at our discretion. Um, you know, we have specific apps that we have for those things, or he can watch it on television. Um, but to give him free reign was, you know, like I said, a rookie mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Well, you know, I want to I want to give uh, you a chance um, uh, b- before the break to just, you know, in general, talk about your experience, you know, being Andrew's mom. What are the best things about being Andrew's mom? The things that you're really enjoying right now with him at nine, with his program, and with the treatments that you're getting and uh, the new experiences that, that you're having. What's it like right now and the best things about being Andrew's mom? Sure, sure. Well, there's so many. I don't think we have enough time for all of them. <laughs> but the first thing is that I went into parenthood thinking that I'm going to have all of these, all of this wisdom to impart upon my children. And it turns out that um, most everything that I've learned valuable in this world has come from um, my children and, and from Andrew in particular, um, gratitude and perspective. You know, his... He has such a unique perspective on the world and doesn't become um, weighed down by a lot of the sort of, um, I I would say, unimportant issues that sort of weigh us down in the world. You know, he enjoys, he he finds joy in um, running water and rain and all of the simple things that we sort of tend to um, brush aside because we have deadlines to meet and projects to turn in and... um, games to get to, and Andrew has forced 
me as a parent to slow down and literally smell the roses. Um, and that's been such a wonderful, priceless gift that he's given me. And he continues to remind me that um, it's okay. And, you know, the reason that I call my column this modified life is that it is a modified life, but it doesn't mean it's, that it's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. He's given us an opportunity to live in a way where we see the world through his lenses. And, and he's got such a beautiful perspective on life, a simple perspective. Um, and so there's, it, it's such a profound experience to be his mom and his parent. Right. And, you know, every time that we, we hit a crisis or a hurdle, um, it's, it, it, he helps us cling on to hope and patience and believing in miracles. Um, and that comes from him. Um, and it also helps to remind me that um, there's blessings even in um, issues that come up that you wouldn't, you know, if somebody had told me in 2004 when he was diagnosed with autism that, that I would look at this as a blessing, I would have I laughed in their face. But there have been so many blessings that have come out with, through Andrew and who he is that I would never change for the world. Um, and that's priceless as his mom. Yeah. That's beautiful. Joe, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank I really you. appreciate all that you shared. I'm sure our listeners enjoyed it as well. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Autism Spectrum Radio. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. Parents of special needs individuals want to know if the care their loved ones are receiving is the best possible. We at Code Metro, developers of NPA Works, business management software for special needs providers, understand the unique necessities of running a successful organization. NPA Works helps free providers of tedious tasks like scheduling and insurance billing. Ensure your clinic is maximizing the time they give to your loved one. Ask if they use NPA Works. Visit us at npaworks.com to see how we can help. If you are considering how cloud computing might benefit your business, CenterBeam's Cloud Readiness Assessment can help. Our track record includes over a decade of service delivery experience, and our customer satisfaction leads the industry. We've moved hundreds of clients to the cloud and can help you identify the best strategy for your business. Call today to get a 25% discount on your assessment, 877-710-8880. The assessment is yours to keep and will provide specific insight into how the cloud can work for you. Call 877-710-8880 or visit centerbeam.com forward slash voice America. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio with Dr. Bill Freya. If you have a question or comment for the host or guests, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Bill Freya. And my thanks again to Joe Ashline for joining us today. She is an inspiration and a gift. And I hope you take a moment to explore the articles she's written. They're entertaining, poignant, and often very moving. 
I want to take just a moment to talk about the new diagnostic criteria for autism spectrum disorder. You know, there is a passionate debate, <laughs> to say the least, going on about the new DSM-5 uh, proposed criteria. Uh, a lot of uh, anger, a lot of concern, a lot of fighting. And, you know, the American Psychiatric Association is once again requesting feedback and comments regarding the change, and I thought maybe we should touch on it a bit today. Uh, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual is used to make uh, di diagnostic decisions. The current fourth version will be replaced next year by the fifth version, thus the DSM-5. As I said, the uh, APA is taking comments, and if you wanted to make a comment, you can go to uh, dsm5.org. That's dsm, the number five, dot org, and uh, register to give your comments. I thought I'd briefly give you a quick overview and hopefully uh, get your Google motivation going uh, to learn more. Uh, so as you may have heard, uh, there'll be a major revision in the diagnosis. Many parents of children on the high-functioning end of the spectrum or children with Asperger's syndrome are concerned that they're going to lose their diagnosis and possibly their services. The proposal by uh, the APA workgroup is that there uh, no longer be an Asperger's diagnosis or a PDD-NOS diagnosis, etc. Yeah, only a single autism spectrum disorder diagnosis. Uh, they'll also add a diagnostic category of social communication disorder. And um, I'm not sure how that will catch on and what, what that'll end up doing. Uh, so why would the DSM-5 workgroup uh, do this? How, how is this helpful for understanding differences and ultimately guiding services and treatment decisions? Well, talk a little bit about the rationale from the group. Um, first of all, uh, they're suggesting that diagnosticians are not being consistent. And they seem to be finding that professionals are not getting it right from their perspective. I can't say I've seen their data, so I can't really comment on that, but my first thought was that if professionals need help understanding disorders like Asperger's syndrome, uh, then why not promote research on that or educate, uh, bring awareness, not, not do away with a disorder? Um, that's confusing to me. And second uh, issue the group is concerned about, the professionals are not giving individuals the right services because of the confusion regarding the different diagnoses. Yeah, so they're not sure which diagnosis fits and what you know the different diagnosis means. So maybe services are not getting uh, delivered appropriately. Again, I've not reviewed their data, but it still seems to me that professionals are going to recommend the treatments that they believe the child or adult will need. Right? And they're going to recommend what they believe in, and it won't be based on a label. It'll be based on their understanding of treatments. Uh, what will be based on the label is what an insurance company will pay for. And that's a major concern with parents right now regarding changing the diagnostic criteria. What really set the debate into a full-on battle was a study published last month in the Journal of the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. The study was conducted at Yale, at the prestigious Yale Child Study Center. One of the authors is the well-respected autism expert, Fred Volkmar, and his research and work in the area of autism is certainly world-renowned. In a nutshell, uh, the study found that about 40% of individuals in the high-functioning range of autism would not qualify for the diagnosis any longer under these new criteria. You know, roughly 40% would, um, would not qualify. So the folks responsible for the DSM-5 criteria, the DSM-5 work group in neuro neurodevelopmental disorders work group, uh, they were livid at the study, and they've... Uh, lashed out, they've published statements, they've stated that the study was, was poorly performed. So we're getting this, this fight. But certainly, 
even if it's not 40% or whatever we can argue about how to how to look at this, there, there's a concern in the professional community all the way up to the level of uh, prestigious researchers who are wondering well, how this will affect uh, individuals on the spectrum. For a moment, let's just set that issue aside and examine the big question. And the big question really should be, how would a single diagnosis like this improve service delivery? How is this going to help uh, individuals on the spectrum? And obviously, there, there's a big concern that fewer kids would qualify for services, and thus fewer kids would get services, especially with insurance companies now watching closely to understand how to adjust coverage based on the release of the new criteria next year. They'll need to, they'll need to do that tweaking. Um, so that's a big deal. But ultimately, the DSM-5 group is saying that the single diagnosis will better serve kids. The single diagnosis will better serve professionals. Uh, better serve individuals in the spectrum in general. And there'll be less confusion and a better understanding of how to deliver treatments based on that. But the question is still how. How does a single diagnosis result in uh, less confusion that leads to better services? It seems that, you know, look at the worst and the best. At its worst, this is a step in the wrong direction because we need to better understand the differences. And what we all know are different disorders along the spectrum. You know, there's not a single autism. There are multiple autisms. Our, our uh, kids look very different, respond very differently, learn very differently. Asperger's syndrome is one example of the difference on that spectrum. It, it's not going to really go away when the DSM-5 is published. You know, the next day there will still be kids with Asperger's syndrome. And the only question is about their services. You know, at its best, I guess it, it may result in a better focus on defining levels of autism and better attention to the needs across the spectrum because it'll just be a single disorder and we'll have to understand what severity means. It might help build understanding on how to allocate specific treatment goals. But severity will need to be better defined. You know, the definition which I'm looking at right now, it doesn't seem to do that. You know, so again, I'm confused. I mean, you're not defining the differences in the kids, not addressing severity uh, well enough to make different diagnoses. How are you going to get different treatments? Um, we're going to put a link to the new DSM-5 proposed criteria on our website. Go to autismtherapies.com. You can take a look at it. Um, give it a read and see what you think. Uh, if you have comments to share, then please share them with us on our Facebook page and with other families. You know, uh, th Place your child into those criteria and see if you think it serves your child well. Uh, good or bad, I'd like to hear what your thoughts are. Uh, you can also go directly to the dsm5.org site and you can share uh, if you feel passionately about what you're seeing, share that with the American Psychiatric Association as well at dsm5.org. Um, you know, I want to uh, just mention, as I did last week, it's really important as well uh, when you're on our site to take a look around because a lot of energy, a lot of work has gone into creating content resources and trying to get it right. And I'd love for you to give us your feedback. You know, uh, you can uh, take a look at our blog tab look at our blog and see you know, how that could be a better community for you to be involved in, what you'd like to see us uh, writing in the blog. Uh, look at our content, look at the tip sheets. Uh, certainly go to our Facebook page, Autism Therapies, and, and uh, see what you'd like to see different. You know, We're uh, wanting to accommodate, we're wanting to make sure it's a strong resource for you. Uh, I did mention earlier that we are conducting workshops to help families understand how to access insurance for autism treatment. Uh, the new insurance mandate starts in California July 1. It's coming really soon, and parents are asking questions and wondering what that would mean for their current services. 
Um, so you should know we're conducting a series of workshops how to utilize your insurance for autism services. We'd love uh, for you to go to the website and see when those might be in your area. Uh, or if you just want to cut to the chase and talk to us, give us a call at 866-278-1520, and hopefully we can help you through the stress of that uh, insurance maze. Again, 866-278-1520. Uh, join us next week. I'm very excited to speak with Dr. Phil Strain uh, about early intervention in the preschool uh, preschool classrooms and preschool services. He is a leading expert. You don't want to miss that. So until then, have a great week, everyone. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Bill Freya, for another edition next week. 